Good morning, everybody. How are you today? Okay? Well, you're in for a treat. Um, we've come to a great place in the Word of God that, that, that so um, speaks to us as a body of believers. It so speaks to us as who we are in our faith, and it'll show us a path to become more the godly person that hopefully all of us want to be. So turn with me, please, to 1 Timothy. We've been looking at 1 Timothy. We've finished the first chapter. And in that first chapter, Paul has encouraged Timothy at every level to become the leader of the church in Ephesus. He, he asked him, he urged him to, to remain in Ephesus. And Paul went on to Macedonia. Now, obviously, Paul had come back because there was a problem in the church that was a little bit too big for Timothy. Now, Timothy, I, I, think, I think he had um, reservations about it all because in, in Paul asking and entreating, urging Timothy to stay on at Ephesus, kind of implied that Timothy said, this is too big of a job for me. This is, uh, we have people here who are, are, are instructing people in a wrong way, teaching strange doctrines. They're, as it says in chapter 1, verse 4, they're paying attention to myths, endless genealogies. Uh, they're, they're giving rise to speculations. They're not furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. And, and, and this is a tough task, you've asked of me. And so after speaking to the problem, which caused... Some of the leaders of the church, now you need to understand what we were teaching. It, Hymenaeus and Alexander, Paul had to personally come back. Look again at verse 20 in, verse, in chapter 1. Alec, uh, among whom are, are Hymenaeus and Alexander, of whom Paul says, I have delivered over to Satan so they may be taught not to blaspheme. Now, it mentions Hymenaeus and Alexander, and, and, but I don't think by any stretch of the imagination they were the only problems there in the church at Ephesus. I believe that they were the worst. I, I believe that they were so bad that Paul had to personally come back and turn them over, as he says, to Satan so that they might be taught a very difficult lesson. And so what takes place in a church when something like that happens? When, when all of a sudden uh, things kind of move in a way that you hope not to because we want to be all godly people. We want to all walk and stand and, and just lead a godly life. And here's some people that are causing disunity within the body of Christ. And Paul now takes us to such a precious place here in chapter 2. He solves the, the problem for us. He shows us the solution that caused the disunity within the church, and it was simply that they would pray. Read with me verses 1, 2, 3, and 4, and, and I'm telling you, you're going to find some words, and you, you're going to find these verses will hopefully change your, your whole life of prayer, and will change your whole life as you walk with the Lord. And, and what you're going to see is that God wants to change you into being a the type of man or woman that, that he has called you to become. And so after, after Paul says, or in, in verse 20, turning Harmonius and Alexander over to Satan so that they might be taught not to blaspheme anymore, then he says in, in chapter 2, verse 1, First of all then, I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgivings 
be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority in order that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. He says in verse 3, This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. When, when Paul prays for kings and all who are in authority, the all who are in authority are the remaining leaders in the church. Look, in God's economy, our government isn't the real issue for God. Our government is our government. But our church is what God is really concerned about. And the people who are in authority or, or have a position, and as we teach here, and I believe with all of my heart, there are all of us have a part. All of us have at one time or another a place of an authority. And so what, what Paul is saying is, Let's pray for everyone within the, the confines of the church, the body of believers, so that we might be people who are tranquil, lead a quiet life, be filled with godliness and dignity. Paul calls for the only thing, folks, that will help when situations get out of hand, and that is to pray. But, but note, as we read in verses 3 and 4, it isn't simply just to pray, but it is to pray so that they might have a true, and we might have a true salvation. Note again in verses 3, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Note, who desires everyone, everyone to be saved, and also he desires that we would all come to the knowledge of the truth. See, within the body of Christ, there is all kinds of, of, of degrees of growth and all kinds of degrees of maturity. And what God desires for us, you and me, is that we all come to a knowledge, a, a true knowledge of the truth. So that we might be people who are tranquil and lead a quiet life. And that we might be godly and, and live in dignity. There is nothing more powerful, nothing greater that will put an impact upon your life and my life than when we pray for one another. If you've read this week in, in our daily reading, uh, in Second Chronicles, you really don't need to turn there right now, but there are only a few places we're going to look at today, in particular these five. Uh, Second Chronicles, First Samuel, Acts, Romans, and Titus. Key to it all is Romans. I want, I want you to turn there eventually. But listen Listen to what is said in 2 Chronicles. When God speaks to his people, he says this, If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or he says, If I command that the locusts come and devour the land, or God says, If I send a pestilence amongst my people. Then it says in the 14th verse, it's a great verse, he says, But if my people, who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray. Humble themselves and pray and seek my face, says God, and turns from their wicked way. Then I'm going to hear them from heaven. I will forgive them of their sin and I will heal their land. That was the reading we had in, in this week's reading in Second in, in Chronicles. And it, it kind of fits in together with this whole idea of praying for one another in the church. 
And as we go along, I think you're going to see a, a, a magnificent reason of why we ought to pray. By the way, have you thought much about the blessings that our Lord has given us here at The Rock? It's, this past week has been such a fantastic week. We had, I think, over 130 to 135 young people here. We understand that at least eight young kids asked Jesus Christ to be their Lord and their Savior. That is phenomenal, phenomenal that, that, that these young people would pray to receive Christ. We had over 115 to 120 volunteers, people who helped serve. This last week we had young adults go towards San Diego and they were on, a, on a, a, an outreach with one another and they, they, they spent time worshiping the Lord, singing and, and, and studying the Word. And then, and then also we had um, our, our 180 group, our junior hires and high schoolers went to the San Diego area and had their, their summer camp. And things are just happening all over the place here at this church. It's just alive. It's, it's alive with, with things that are going on. And have you thought to pray for all that God is blessing us with, for those who serve so faithfully? Now, I, I asked during the week, while I, while I opened up this, this place in Scripture and, and started to pray for you, I have, a, I have some habits in my life. Maybe you do too. There's certain things in my home, when I see it, it reminds me of the Lord. It just does. Uh, there's, there's, like in my watch, my watch will beep on the hour. Right now I've turned it off, but my watch will beep on the hour for me, so that not so that I'll know what time it is, but so it's my way of kind of keeping track with how am I walking with the Lord. When I hear it beep, I, I think, oh, have I, have I gone that far astray in an hour? Or, wow, I'm doing really good. And it's a kind of a reminder for me. And, and when I turn on the computer to study, the first thing comes to my mind when it pops up and I turn on Lebronics and, and Word. And, and Lebronics comes up, it has this little jingle, which I hate. But it reminds me, I, I don't know why I do, but it reminds me of, of this church, of you. So therefore, I don't really hate it. I just, it's just there. I would rather it just went beep, beep, and that's it. I, that's enough for me. But it reminds me of you, and there's never a time where I study the Bible that I don't think about you. Now, I don't know all of you personally. I, I don't know all of you by name. Uh, in time, maybe. But I, I promise you, I pray for you. I pray for you in such a fashion that I ask God to bless whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is within your family. I pray for your kids. I pray for your loved ones. I pray for your future. I pray for everything there is about you. And what I do is I leave that, as you're going to see in a moment, I leave that to the Lord. He knows exactly what it is that you and you and you need. And I have the privilege of praying for you. I, I do. And how often have we prayed for the people of this church? And so when I opened up... 1 Timothy chapter 2, and started to pray for you and think about it, I thought, I wonder if the people in our church know how blessed we are here by the people who have, have kind of stepped up and said, let's serve the Lord together. Now, I'm going to show you some pictures in a moment. They're not going to be everybody. And, and in this grouping, I asked that I would not be included, but you'll see that I, oh, you'll see that I have no authority over that. Um, there's the pastors and elders of, of this church right now, myself, Bill, and, and Fred. Have you ever prayed for these three guys, especially those two? I know you pray for me. What about the next group? 
there's Bill again and Fred again and perhaps one of the most, um, Jenny Johnson, perhaps one of the most brilliant young ladies or brilliant person I've ever had the privilege of being around. She thinks so clearly. Then there's Kay and then Rob Selleck, who is just growing into a, a real force for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, within our, our own midst. To watch him grow is one of the greatest privileges I've had in, in my faith. Take a look at the next group of people, the staff. There's, there's Larry, who is so faithful. It's, it just scares me how much he, he does and how faithful he is to serve here. Shelly Bentley, who is just absolutely brilliant. Debbie Brown, who, who knows more about computers in an instant. And I say, where did you learn all this? And she says, I just read. She fixes my computer that fast. Janetta, who is absolutely astounding of a woman. Um, one of the great, great women that I've ever had the privilege of knowing. There's Lynn, who is so faithful at this church. She is just, she's incredible what she does. When she first joined our staff, it, she was so quiet. She still is so quiet, but she's so, so much more to her than, than I realized at first. I absolutely love Lynn. Sarah Hill is probably one of the brightest young women I've known. She is um, cut out of the cloth of Jenny. Lisa Cahan, who is just incredible. Her mind just doesn't stop. Connie, who worked alongside with Alma and and, and, and takes care of our kids. And, and, and you talk about somebody that just loves our kids. Lindsay, what a blessing. Nicole, Jeff, if we were a baseball team, he would be our most valuable player to me. Uh, he probably wouldn't drive in all the runs, and he probably wouldn't hit for the highest batting average, but by golly, we wouldn't be able to make the season go without him. He's incredible. Wes Porter, he's just brilliant. He's, he's right in the line of Rob Selleck. The guy is just incredible. And then the superstar, Alma, tireless. Is there any more? Is that it? Then ministry lay leaders, there's Fred again and Karen. She's like, she does it all. She can teach kids to adults. She's, she's Pastor Bill in a dress, is what, is what she is. <laughs> then there's Brent and Melissa, Slazaks. Again, Wes and Paula. His wife is Paula. She's amazing. Rob and Beth Selleck. Keep your eye on him. I see great things for him. Again, Jenny and again Alma and our deaf ministry, the Rennies, Bonnie and Bill. Craig and and Anthony and Vivi, Craig and Patty, who lead us in worship. And again, Bill, Kay, and Shelley. There are so many more. When I thought about putting up pictures, are there more? That's it, isn't it? When I thought about putting up the pictures, I thought, you know, the sad part is it's not everybody. It, it's not. It's not the tech team, which I was told. And, <laughs> and it's not It's not everybody. It's not the parking team. It's it's not everybody, but these are people that you can pray for. How? I'll show you in a moment. But in Dr. J. Vernon McGee's commentary, when I was reading through 1 Timothy, and, 
and trying to get a grasp of what this chapter is all about and praying is all about, Dr. McGee knew a man who was the chaplain for the Senate. He doesn't, didn't mention his name at all. He just told this story. He said someone came to the chaplain and asked him, do you pray for all the senators? And he said, no. He says, I look at each one of them and then I pray for my country. That's what I would ask you to do for us. Those of us who serve here, look at us, but pray. Pray for our church. Actually, pray for our Lord's church. That God would bless it. That God would be honored by what we do here. Samuel says this. You'll see it up there, 1 Samuel 12, 23. Listen to what Samuel says. Think about it for a moment, though. He says, far be it from me, Samuel says, that I should sin against the Lord. Whoa. Okay, Samuel, what would it be that would cause you to sin against the Lord? He says, far be it from me that I would sin against the Lord and cease to pray for you. I love that verse. It's, it's what I think of when I think about you, this church. Far be it from me that I should sin against my Lord and not pray for you. And so we can pray for one another, and I will show you why in a moment. Let's, let's pray right now. Father, we've seen some faces up there on the screen of people, some, not all, who serve you here. The reality is, Father, it, I, I pray that soon, very soon, if it be your will, that we would be able to put every single person's picture in this church up on the wall that we would pray for everybody because every single one of us would have some part in, in moving our church towards what you would want it to be, your church, Father. So might, we might pray for one another. And Father, like the chaplain of the Senate was, said when he was asked, does he pray for each senator individually? He replied, no, I, I look at them and then I pray for our country. It's exactly, I think, what we ought to do here. When we see people who are serving here, that we would, we would think about our church and pray for this church that you have so blessed us with. I pray that you would open up our eyes. Father, we've just read four verses that are just, they're monumental, as I think every one of us will see in a moment. They're brilliant, brilliant, brilliant verses that Paul brought forth. After all the problems that were, they were having at, at, at Ephesus, he He simply asks the people to pray, to entreat, to pray, to send up petitions and thanksgivings on behalf of everybody. May we do that, Father. May you move me aside so that this message, Father, would be as clear as could be from your heart to ours. Open up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things from your law. I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I want you to see something that I, I maybe should have started with, but look at chapter 6 just for a moment. Just, just for a moment. We won't get there for till ever. You'll, you'll forget about this by the time we get there. But You see, Paul was so, was so intent on having Timothy really serve the Lord there at Ephesus. He ends by saying what he started by saying. Look at chapter 6, verse 20. Timothy, he says, 
guard what has been entrusted to you. Folks, I, I've kind of charted that verse out for me when I think about you in prayer. I turn to that place. I turn to the sixth chapter. I turn to the 20th verse and I ask the Lord to guard within your heart the things that he has entrusted to you. That we might avoid, verse 20, going on worldly and empty chatter. That we might oppose the, uh, the arguments of what is falsely called knowledge. Some, he says, have, have professed and saying that they have knowledge and thus they've gone astray from the faith. Paul's, Paul's desire was, I think, my desire for us, you and me, that we would hold strong to what we've learned, hold strong to our faith. So let's get back to 1 Timothy chapter 2. You might ask a question, and it's a, it's a valid one, I think. When we talk about prayer, and, 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 and Paul says to Timothy, I want you to pray for everyone. I want, verse 1, I want you to make these on behalf of all men, kings and those who are in authority. In other words, everybody. But you might ask, what if I don't like? What if I don't respect uh, those who you've been asking me to pray for? Well, you need to think about, about uh, Stephen. Stephen in Acts chapter 7 and verses 59 and 60 was, was about to be stoned to death. You remember, you, do you remember? They took him, what I would consider what, what it might have looked like was a, a place that was kind of like this. There was a, kind of dug a hole out or a, a, down there and they had a stone quarry up here and the, the people up here had stones and they just threw them down at, at Stephen who was down in the, in the midst of all this brutality that was coming towards him, stones being thrown at him. And when he was down there, it says, Stephen called upon the Lord and said, Jesus Christ, receive my spirit. And then in verse 60, it says, he fell on his knees and he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, don't hold this sin against them, those guys that are throwing these things at him. And having said this, it says in verse 60, he fell asleep, he died. Stephen, while he was being stoned to death, prayed for those who amounted to be his executioners, asking God not to hold that sin against them. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, we see four words that are important to your life and mine. You're going to find these words I think you're going to hold these words really closely from now on if you don't know what they mean at this point. The four words are entreaties, prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings. I will say them over and over again this, this service. The word entreaty is from the Greek word D-E-E-S-I-S, desis, I guess. It means this, to lack something. It means to be deprived of something. It means to be without something. Entreaties. This prayer, when, when Paul asks us to entreat unto our Lord, arises from the sense of our needing something and thus pleading with God to supply it. Father, I am in need. I am lacking. I am deprived. I 
don't have what I am asking for. I entreat you, dear Father, to supply it. The second word there is prayers. It is P-R-O in the Greek, S-E-U-C-H-E. It's a general word, but it's used only in reference to God. It carries with it a very unique element of worship and reverence. And so when we go to God and we entreat, asking Him to supply those things that we are lacking, we go to Him with reverence and awe, knowing that He is God Almighty. Have you ever heard anybody, I, I, I mean no disrespect, but have you ever heard anybody say, I want to pray to the man upstairs? When I hear that, when I'm listening to television, guys say that, it makes me just, in my, in my stomach, it just crawls. I, I think, what a disrespect of God. Pray for the man upstairs? You've got to be kidding me. When we go to God, we go to God in reverence and awe. We go to God in just who He is. You know, one day we're going to see what He is like. One day we will be able to see the, the awesomeness of our God. And, 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 and I'm sure, I'm, 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 I'm certain, I'm glad that we've already died, you know, when we get to heaven. Because to look on Him, I think we'd drop dead again if we didn't have our, our, our new bodies, our new thoughts. We're to go to Him in reverence and awe. We're to entreat to Him, in other words, asking Him to supply what we do not have. We're to pray to Him, asking Him to be the one, the only God that we come to. And thirdly, verse 1, we, we take Him our petitions. Now this is really an amazing word. In the Greek it is E-N-T-E-U-X-I-S. It comes from the root word meaning to fall in with or to get involved with another. Petitions speaks of our God making intercessory prayers for us. Now I do want you to turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Please, I will wait for you to get there because it is important that you see this verse if you don't know it by heart. You might want to get to know it. Petitions are those things that we go to God with asking Him to pray on our behalf. You know, it's a... I think about it, it is a great thing that that we don't get everything we pray for. You know, have you ever thought about that? How fortunate it is that, 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 that what we have prayed for at the moment, that we thought we must have, that God didn't answer that prayer. And I, I, I don't think there were very many girls that that would want to have married me. But, but if there was one and she saw me 20 years later, I'm sure she would have then fell on her knees and said, Thank you, Lord, that you did not answer that prayer. It says in Romans 8.26, In the same way, the Spirit helps in our weakness. Because it says we do not know how to pray as we should. That should be an amen in your heart. You really don't know exactly what it is that God is really wanting for you and desiring for you and and, and planning for you. And so we go to our God with, with our weaknesses because we don't know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit, the Spirit of God Himself, it says, intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. In other words, God identifies with our needs and becomes involved with our struggle. 
We entreat to him. We are deprived. We don't have what we want. We're without something. So we entreat upon God. We go to God in our prayers, in worship and in awe, and in reverence of who he is. We take our petitions to him. In other words, in other words we fall in and get involved with him. We allow him We allow him to have his, have his will within our lives, right? Even Jesus Christ said, not my will, but thine be done and so we go to God and we say Lord this is what I believe I want for my family this is what I believe I want for my life this is what I believe I want for this people in this church but father not my will but yours be done and with that statement groanings go up to God too deep for me to understand too deep for me to comprehend and the Holy Spirit of God takes my offerings unto my God and he offers the true meaning of what I ought to be praying for if I only knew how to truly pray. That's what petitions means. So I go to God with my entreaties. I go to God with my prayers. I go to God with my petitions. And then fourthly, I go to God with my thanksgiving. Thanksgiving calls for us to pray with a spirit of gratitude to God. Because you see, in reality, folks, in reality, only God can intervene so that your prayers and my prayers may be heard and may be answered. And so we ought to be thankful because our prayers hold no boundaries. They hold no space, no time, no language. We can pray for anyone, anywhere, at any time, and our God hears. With that in mind, who... Who have you been thinking of that you ought to pray for? Maybe even during this service, God has brought someone to your name and to your mind. And maybe you don't know what to say about this situation. Well, I can tell you that the Holy Spirit knows, and He will intercede for you. And so what I thought we'd do for just a couple of minutes, that's all, just a couple of minutes that we would just kind of dim the lights if you don't mind and you can kind of be alone with God right now and you can take your entreaties your prayers your petitions and your thankfulness to God that he will hear you and he will take your prayers with groanings too deep for even words up into the heavens itself I'll be quiet for two minutes Father God, we, uh, we come before you because there's no one, absolutely no one, that we can turn to other than yourself. We entreat upon you, Father, that you might supply us with those things that we need, that our prayers, Father, would be those of worship and reverence to a almighty and wonderful God, and that with our petitions, Father, we we fall in with and get involved with you. We, we come before the Spirit of God to help us in our weaknesses because we really don't know how to pray as we should. And so we allow the Spirit of God to intercede for us with groanings that are too deep for words. And Father, we come with a spirit of gratitude, thankfulness, because 
because the prayers that we've just made hold no boundaries of space, time, or language. We can pray for absolutely anyone, anytime, anywhere, and you hear us. And so, Father, bless this time that we've had just to come before you in prayer. I pray this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Could we turn the lights up a little bit again, please? With all of this in mind, I want you to note what Paul says in verses 1 and 2, the end of verse 1 and verse 2. At the end of verse 1, he says that these entreaties, prayers, petitions, these thankful thanksgivings that we make are to be made on behalf of all men, therefore kings and for all who are in authority. It, it, remember, if you don't really like these people, um, just remember Stephen. Listen, I can, I can relate to what I'm saying to you. There was a, there was a, a fellow, in, well, let me tell you this in a moment. I won't forget this story, I promise. I, I wrote it down. I, I, will, I will remember. But listen closely to Paul's words in, in verses 3 and 4. You see, our prayers ought not to be limited just to those that we are praying for to be wise or to be just in whatever it is that we're asking of God for. But more importantly, we're to pray so that they might come to a knowledge of the truth, as it says in verse 4. That they would repent, if need be, of sin, our own selves. They might believe in the gospel. That they might turn to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sin, for the sake of their eternal souls. But you want to see what is so amazing about this prayer life that you and I ought to have. It will create in us, note verse 2, in order that, note, not that they, but that we, I, I can't overemphasize this in verse 2. You probably would have missed it. We're to pray for all men, kings, and those who are in authority in order that we, not they, we may lead a tranquil and quiet life. That we might be godly and might be men and women of dignity. When I was going through a trial in my life like very little others at that point in time. It was years and years ago. I was fairly young in my faith. I, I, I was working in ministry with athletes. I had not started any ministry in church, so it had to be before 1986. There was someone in, 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 in my life that, that, that took a, a dislike to me, really what it was, but they wanted what I had in ministry. And so they not only attacked me, but, but they, they attacked my wife. That's where it goes bad for me. So I had a distaste for this person like you wouldn't believe. I just didn't like this person. On my way home, as I told you a little while earlier, there are certain things in my life that happen that, that just remind me of God. And all of a sudden, I'm driving home, minding my own business. I turn left off of Imperial on the Santa Ana Canyon Road, and boom, that person's face comes right before me. I can see him almost clear as a bell, and I hear almost this voice. I don't, I mean, God, it wasn't an audible voice, but I said something inside of me said, pray for him. And I said, no. No, no, no. I detest this person. So I didn't. Couldn't. Couldn't ask God to bless them. Every day I had to turn that way. Every day, every day, every day. 
that person's voice, I mean, face and everything came before me. And finally, I started to pray, Father, <laughs> I couldn't say bless. I couldn't say bless. And so I said, Father, you know, I hate this person with all my heart. Because there was no sense in me lying. He knew it was in my heart. I says, if you want to, bless him. Bless him if you want to. But I would rather, Father, you strike him dead. That's what I would rather you do. I don't know if it was two years. I don't know how many years it was. There was a time I made a turn on Santa Ana Canyon Road. that I said, Lord, would you bless this person? And I meant it. Where did that come from? How did that happen? I think the Lord God allowed me, not him, to become a tranquil, quiet person that leads to godliness and dignity. Listen, when you and I are committed to pray for whomever, it will remove in time all thoughts of rebellion or resistance against whomever we are praying for. But more importantly, it will turn us into people who are lovers and not haters. In Titus, you're in 1 Timothy. Titus is just three or four pages to the right. Look, you'll go past 2 Timothy and you'll find Titus. Look at Titus chapter 3. Listen to what Paul teaches Titus. Titus was the only other person apart from Timothy that, that Paul called a, a, a true child in the faith of mine. In Titus chapter 3 verse 1, Paul says, Remind them. In other words, when you, if you read back, you'd see it was remind the people to be subject to rulers and to authorities. Remind them to be obedient and to be ready for every good deed. Verse 2, remind them to malign nobody, but rather to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for everyone why? Look at verse 3. Paul says to Titus, For we also once were foolish ourselves. Of course. Of course I get it. We are all sinners saved by the grace of God. We are all at one time or another, as it goes on to say in verse 3, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. For goodness sakes, who are we to judge others? We are all sinners saved by the grace of an almighty God. And so when we learn to pray, as we've been taught here by Paul in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4, we become a church that is obedient to this mandate that has been given to us by Paul so that we, we can be a people who lead a tranquil and quiet life. The word tranquil and the word quiet are rare adjectives within the Word of God. As a matter of fact, tranquil only appears here. It refers to absence from outside disturbances. And the other word, quiet, 
appears just here and also only in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 4 and it refers to an absence from internal disturbances. In other words, Paul is saying, I want to make your life peaceful inside and out. That you'll be a, a person of dignity. That you will be and I will be people who know how to pray and be a people who are leading quiet and dignified lives. Also in verse 2, the word godliness carries the idea of reverence towards God and dignity carries with it the idea of proper behavior. All of these blessings comes your way and my way when we be become people who are willing to pray for one another, even pray for those that we might not care about. You see, what Paul was doing, get it, he was trans, transfer, uh, what's the word, transposing, trans, he was changing that church's attitude. He was weeding out from that church people who were, were we're trying to cause disunity and what he was trying to bring to that body of Christ was a feeling of, of godliness and dignity and, and, and tranquility and, and, and a quiet, peaceful life. It's the greatest blessing that you and I can have and it all comes from a willingness to pray for one another. To go to God with our entreaties. In other words, to ask Him to supply those things that we need, whatever it might be. And to go with Him in our prayers, meaning in reverence and in, in awe, because He is God Almighty. To go with Him with our, our petitions and our entreaties so that, so that we, we go to Him with this petition. We, we go to Him allowing Him to, to, to intercede for us because we don't know how to pray. And to go to Him with a thankful heart knowing that He is the one and only that can answer all our prayers. He is the one. I say to you that this church is on the precipice, that we're on the threshold, I guess I should say, because I can't think of the other word, precipice, whatever, threshold of something fantastic. There is something about to happen here that I, I believe is going to be monumental. It is, it is, it's going to change the face of our church. It's going to change. I, I, I don't want to get too mysterious. I just can't tell you everything right at this moment because I don't know what God's doing and only God knows for certain. But I sense within my spirit something's going to happen that's going to be unbelievable with us. And God is about ready to bless us beyond our wildest dream, become the church that he wants us to become, to reach out into this community and beyond, to do things that, that he desires for us to do. I thank God for all of you. I love you with all my heart, more than you'll ever know. More than you'll ever know. I pray for you all the time. I ask God to bless you mightily. And I'm quick to tell him, not my will, but his be done in your life because he knows exactly what it is that you and I need so that we would be blessed beyond measure.
Father in heaven above, bless these people. Bless, bless, bless them, Father. May we be a people, Father God, who come to you in prayer consistently. That we would pray, dear Father, for those things that, that please you. That our prayers would be prayers of worship and reverence to an almighty God. That our entreaties would come into the heavens itself with our needs. That our petitions, Father, would speak through the Spirit of God itself who would carry our prayers up in our weaknesses because we don't know exactly how we should pray. But most importantly as all, Father, we can be thankful, have a spirit of gratitude that we can come before our God who hears all things and knows all that was needed and, and that you would, Father, make us into the men and women that you have called us to be so that we might lead tranquil and quiet lives that leads us into godliness and dignity as believers in, in you, children of yours. Thank you so much for this church, Father. Bless it, I pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. I love you all more than I can tell you. I've, I hope that this message made sense to you. It's important for me that you hear it. God bless you. Have a great, great, great day and great week, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for being here.